Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of Jesus Christ, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media. It's a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. It's number one ranked company in Google for New Jersey SEO company, New Jersey Internet Marketing, to name a few. You can check out their information in our show notes. Today's podcast is part six of the Walking Backwards series John is teaching Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods. Without further delay, here's Johnny. The quiz. Can anybody tell me what the critical event is here at Church in the Woods? Yeah, okay, we got, got a few there. The critical event is that event that must take place every time we gather together. Look. Regardless of what else happens. No matter how good the music is, no matter if we have a meal or not, no matter what the message is about or what we're studying, there's one critical event that has to happen, and that is we have to love other people like Jesus. Amen. Now that's easy to say. It's hard to do. You know that? You hear that? If you've ever tried it for any length of time, you'll agree with me that it is difficult. Not only is it difficult to love other people like Christ, it's absolutely impossible. You talk about an impossible dream, it's absolutely impossible. Naturally, in our own resources, we are not able to love other people like Christ. Now, we can love other people the way we want to love other people, which is conditional, you know, if they behave themselves, if they deserve our love or whatever. But not like Christ. And that's the command that Jesus has left us with here. So, so ultimately, the bottom line, of everything we're studying for the last couple of weeks, we've been contrasting two lifestyles. One is the lifestyle of law, the other is the lifestyle of grace. Under the lifestyle of law, it is absolutely impossible to love somebody else like Christ. Can't do it. Under the lifestyle of grace and truth, it's the only way that we can fulfill that new commandment that Jesus left us with. And so it's important for us to understand the difference between the two. Now, since we have all, every one of us, been conditioned into that natural lifestyle of law, rules and regulations, basing on our basing our life on our own knowledge of good and evil, of what's right and wrong. 
Because we've all been conditioned that way. It's very difficult for us to learn a new lifestyle. The lifestyle of grace rather than law. Because virtually every problem we encounter in our life, with ourselves or with other people, doesn't matter. Virtually every problem we encounter, our natural reaction to that problem is, let's figure out what's right and wrong. You guys realize how absurd that is? Do you realize how absurd it is for you to try to figure out what's right and wrong? Hmm? See, that's that fruit in the garden that God forbid Adam and Eve eat. That's that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat that fruit. It'll kill you. So what he was saying in essence is don't eat the fruit of the lifestyle of law. And what? It will kill you. Instead, eat of the tree of life, which is a grace lifestyle. So what we're trying to do here is break our natural intense conditioning. All of us have been conditioned by this in this world to trust our own knowledge of right and wrong, to save ourselves or others, and try to live a lifestyle of grace in which we trust God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So today, in our contrast, we've already contrasted the difference between law and grace regarding our sins. What God has done for us, what we could do for ourselves. We've already talked last week about these contrasting lifestyles with regards to our suffering, all the problems in this world that we're going to encounter. So today, what I want to talk about to complete this contrast is grace, the lifestyle of grace and truth regarding our service. Now, what is your service? Let me just give you a little rude awakening here, okay, in case you've forgotten or you've never heard. Your service is to fulfill the new command of Jesus, to love other people like Christ. That's your service. Now, it comes in many ways, in many forms, according to the giftings God has given you. See, love, especially God's love, can be expressed in a whole variety of ways. So it's not just one thing you do, or a list of things you do, or don't do. That's not serving God. Serving God is a heart matter. Unfortunately, this idea of of your ministry. By the way, what I wanted to shock you with is you all are ministers. Did you know that? Yeah, you are. Now, in case you get the baby head or you want to fly off on a religious tangent of some sort, let me define ministry for you. Right? Ministry comes from the Greek word 
that means slavery. Being a minister is you're a slave. Now Paul described exactly what kind of slave you were in Romans chapter 6 when he says, God, we think we were the slaves to sin and dysfunction. But we are now the slaves to righteousness. See, being a minister means that you are actually the representative of Jesus here on this earth. That is your call. It's a high call in God in Christ Jesus. So that is your service. So what does the grace have to do with that? It's the only way you can serve it. Acceptably. Now I want to read a couple of scriptures to you today that will illustrate that point and encourage you in looking for and developing your own ministry. And by the way, each one of your ministries is unique to you. Did you know that? Nobody else can do the ministry that you've got. How do I know you've got a ministry? You're still breathing. You're still alive. You're still here. You see, when you're done with your ministry, God rewards you. When you're finished with his purpose for your life, he takes you home. And you celebrate for all eternity. But you're not in heaven yet. You're not in the presence of the Lord in heaven yet. You're right here in the church in the woods. Nobody told you. So what's your ministry? Your ministry is to love others. It's like Jesus loved. That's your ministry. It's not religious at all. Now I know there are years, probably the two millennia since Jesus was here, it's been perverted. This concept of service or your ministry has been perverted by religious folks. One of the greatest perversions is that the minister is the guy standing up here telling other people what to do. That's not ministry. No. The ministry is to love other people like Christ. That's what you're called to do. Now that starts in your home, which sometimes we find real difficult. It starts in your home to love the people you're living with, like Christ. And it extends to your community, on the job, in the community. But it's a relational ministry. It's not a ritual. It's not religious in nature. It's relational, how you relate to other people. Now, I'm not going to go into any more depth on that particular aspect of it. We will cover some more as we go along. But right now we're concerned with, okay, well, what does grace have to do with my ministry? This lifestyle of grace and truth you're talking about, what does that have to do with how I serve God and others in my ministry? Well, first of all, you've all been called by grace 
to that ministry, as we studied last week out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For you are saved by grace through faith. Not of works. It's not what you did, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. In other words, he did the job to create us in Christ Jesus. See, God has already created you a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Didn't have anything to do with what you did. It has everything to do with God's grace. He's already made you one with his son Jesus, given you the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ, and the calling of Christ. That's why you are here to serve as a representative, or as Paul says, Corinthians ambassador for Christ. So your ministry is already given to you by God. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's your ministry. Which he before ordained that you should walk in it. See, it's not left up for grabs. I mean, your ministry isn't something you make up. It's something God has already ordained for you and intends to use you. Now, one of the good works that people try to try to call good works are religious in nature, and they think, well, if I do this, that, or the other religiously, but that's a good work. Now, I'm not going to argue about that with them. But that's really not what this guy was talking about, Paul, when he wrote, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Let me expand on that a little bit. A better translation would be created in Christ Jesus unto pleasurable service. Those are good works. It's not some kind of onerous duty that you have that is laid upon you and you just can't hardly make it. No, that's not the good works God has ordained for you. He has ordained works for you to do, ways for you to love other people that you enjoy. They're pleasurable good works. They're not... I'm going to be honest with you. How many of you know and have known that you're called to love other people like Christ that you really secretly hate? Anybody ever know? Oh, yeah, I'm called to love other people like Christ, except that sucker. I hate that sucker. Right? I don't want anything to do with him. So you can't be picky here. Okay? You are called to love the people God wants you to love. Whether you like them or not is irrelevant. You're not called to like them. You're called to love them like Christ. You're called to relate to them just like Jesus would relate to them. I can think of many examples from Jesus' own life how he had to relate to people which he would just soon not, not be part of according to his culture and his heritage. The Samaritan woman at the well. I mean, that was a real well known for Jews. 
But the point is this, that God has called you to enjoy even loving those people you don't like. Yeah, he is. He has called you to be able to enjoy loving people that just simply irritate the fire out of you. You know that? Yeah. See, to love someone like Christ is to love them unconditionally, to love them sacrificially, to love them consistently, and to love them intelligently. So that's your high calling of God in Christ. And it's across the board for all. Everyone who names the name of Christ is called to this ministry. My job in God's scheme of things is to simply equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. What ministry? Loving other people. So it's really my job to try to help you and prepare you and equip you to be able to love other people like Christ. That's why we're studying what we're studying. The contrast between a lifestyle of law, which will forbid you from loving certain people, because it will be against the rules, with a lifestyle of grace, which frees you to love any and all people. Now, when Paul talked about this, the passage I want to share with you this morning, it was in the middle of the context of spiritual gifts. People have trouble with that concept of spiritual gifts. What does that mean? All it is is a supernatural empowerment that God gives you to be able to love another person. That's it. A supernatural empowerment that he gives, that's the gift part, for you to love other people. I got caught up in this early on in my ministry and I was thinking, okay, how do we figure out what our spiritual gift is? And I did a little research on it. Do you know that there are actual questionnaires that people have come up with that you can fill out to try to determine what spiritual gift God has given you. Did you know that? Some of you children have done that, haven't you? Oh, I have the gift of whatever. And usually, when you fill out that questionnaire, you figure out what gift you think you might have that God has given you, you're disappointed. Because it's not the best gift. You know what I mean? It's not one of those shiny gifts, man. See, I got caught up in that and I was thinking about gifts. And I said, Lord, you know, you give us gifts, right? Oh, Lord. Not to get the tongues. Although I've had that. Not where I'm speaking in a foreign language, but where I'm speaking and someone that didn't know my language heard in their own native language what God wanted to hear. I don't want to get the tongues. Everybody was raving about the gift of tongues at that time, and I, it was a big deal to me. Not that I didn't try, 
fact, one of the one of the little exercises they give you to try to exercise the gift of tongues, which unfortunately in their thinking was proof that you are a Christian, is to repeat. So you want to speak in tongues? Here you go. Repeat after me. She rode in on a Honda. Now repeat that five or six times rapidly. And somebody will think you're speaking in tongues. And if you're in the right context, somebody will interpret those tongues. I didn't want that. That's not the gifts I was thinking about. I wanted the best gift. So you know what gift I would want? You know what gift that brings? I said, Lord, I want to raise the dead. I don't want to mouse around and speaking in tongues. I want to be able to raise the dead. And I mean, I, I laid it into him. I said, God, there's all kinds of people. You don't know Jesus raised the dead. They won't. Just let me raise the dead. You know what he told me? He just shut me up permanently about that. And I asked him, why can't I raise the dead? He said, you're not ready to die yet. I said, what? What do you think about it? Jesus raised the dead, didn't he? And right after he raised the dead, they killed him. They crucified him. What do you think this world would do to you if you went around raising the dead? It would kill you. And then he gave me a better understanding of what raising the dead really means anyhow which we'll talk about in a moment. Well, the Corinthians were having the same kind of issues in the church there. They were trying to figure out which is the best gift. And they were comparing themselves to each other. Okay. Oh, we got the gift of prophecy. I got the gift of tongues. I got the gift of this, that, and the other. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and these are the verses I want you to see. In the middle of that dispute, so to speak, he writes this. But covet earnestly the best gifts. And that's how it's translated in King James. That's the last verse of verse 12, 1 Corinthians. But covet earnestly the best gifts. I thought we weren't supposed to covet anything. Remember the last of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not covet. And now Paul is saying, covet? No, no, no. You've got you to retranslate that. King James did a bad job translating that from the Greek. Considering the context. What he's saying is, but you are continually coveting the best gift. That's not any kind of applause, that's a rebuke. Let me tell you what your problem is. You're running around coveting, trying to figure out what the best gift is so you can show off. 
and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into that great chapter on love. You see what he's saying here? You're worried about what gift you have. Why? You're worried about how it makes you look. You're worried about whether or not you're shining in front of other people or not. And then I show you a more excellent way. You want to know how to discover what your gift is? What gift God has given you? I'll give you one simple thing to do. You ask God to use you to love another person like Christ. And your gift will come to the surface because that's what they're for. In a variety of ways you love other people like Christ. Both verbally, what you might say or not say, and Behaviorally, and what you do or don't do, God will work through you to love other people. By the way, that's a guaranteed prayer request. But I'm digressing here. We get back to verses I'm going to read to you. Verse 1 of chapter 13, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity or love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, what's he warning us about here? He's warning us about doing all the things, saying all the things, understanding all the things that we think of naturally as being able to love somebody having no meaning whatsoever. When he says, though I speak the tongues of men and angels, he's talking about the eloquency of your speech. He's talking about how you speak to other people. And you can be the most eloquent speaker there is. Not able. Isn't that amazing? Talking about your understanding. You understand all mysteries. You have all kinds of knowledge, especially of knowledge of good and evil. But you don't have love. And he's talking about giving. You give all of your goods to feed the poor. You even give your body to be burned without love. It profits you nothing. But what's he bringing home to us here? He's bringing home the one central thing that we need to concern ourselves with, and that is how are we going to love other people? That's why we're studying this contrast. Under the natural condition we've had, you can't love anybody but yourself. You don't even do a good job of that. Under the natural conditioning we've had, all of us, we're not capable of loving another person like Christ. Under that natural lifestyle of law and lies, all we're concerned with is the knowledge of good and evil and how we're going to do what's right and not do what's wrong. 
Now, we get ourselves caught in a trap because we're finding ourselves doing what's wrong, we're not doing what's right. Then we switch gears with the knowledge of good and evil, and we start judging other people according to our knowledge of good and evil, according to what they do or don't do. That's not love. That's living under the law. And it's a natural consequence of the law. You see, the law kills relationships. Your knowledge of good and evil may be absolutely correct, but without love, it's not going to help anybody. In fact, when you look back over the last 2,000 years of church history, you'll find that the single most damaging thing that took place to the church that Jesus established was done by religious people filled with the knowledge of good and evil starting right off the bat with the Pharisees oh they knew what was right they knew what was wrong they knew that law up forwards and backwards but they rejected Christ they could not love others they were more concerned about their religious performance than they were about loving people. Unfortunately, that same philosophy has been handed down generation after generation to us today. Years ago, I read a study that was conducted on seminary students who were getting ready to graduate. Now, these are going to be religious leaders, right? Getting ready to graduate. And each one of them were told given a time to show up at an auditorium and they were told that that auditorium was going to be empty but that they were to go in and preach their famous and best sermon to an empty auditorium this was a test and so they were all so happy to do that get all their sermons ready and ready to go the experimenters hired a stooge to stand outside the doors of that auditorium and wait for each one of these seminary students to come in one by one, spread out by 15 or 20 minutes, something like that. And as soon as he saw one beginning up the steps, he was to grab his chest like he was heart, like he was shot or had a heart attack, fall to his knees and fall over. Unfortunately, over 90% of those seminary students that had knowledge right now stepped over that student to go into the auditorium and preach their best son. What does that tell you? Did they love that student? No. Who were they thinking about? This person that was in obvious distress for themselves and what they were going to do. You see, loving other people like Christ is not that simple. It's not that easy. And it's not just their fault in terms of 
their motivation because they've been trained that way. They've been trained under, even under the religious law, the rules and regulations, they have been trained to follow the rules, not to love other people. So there's a big difference. Are you going to follow the rules or are you going to love other people? Now, how do you know which is which? How can we actually know? What Paul warned us about here was the words we speak can be spoken without love. The things we understand can be understood without love. The things we give can be given without love. So how do we actually love other people? In order to do so, we have to get out of this natural conditioning of right and wrong, laws and laws, and walk in grace. And as I've already shared with you, and I will continue to repeat this over and over again, how do we get into this grace as a lifestyle? It is the same way you receive Christ Jesus, your Lord. It's by grace through faith. As we studied last week, it is faith that we, by faith, that we have access <laughs> into this grace where we stand. Faith in what? Faith not only in the fact that Jesus died on the cross, but faith in what that death did for you, who it made you to be. Faith in the fact that you are a brand new person created in Christ Jesus. Faith in the fact that God has transformed you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Faith that you are a brand new person inseparably joined to Christ. That you in Christ are one. That you are Christ. Now notice I didn't say you are the Christ. You run around saying I'm the Christ, they're going to put you in the same side. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you are Christ. And as much as you're a member of his body, his spirit lives in you. You have his calling and his destiny. You are Christ. That's who you really are. It's faith in who you are. One other thing. Faith in what God is telling you to do. What is God telling you to say? What is God leading you to do in that situation? What does God want for you personally to do to love other people? See, that question can only be answered between you and God. In order to walk in a lifestyle of grace and truth, you must hear God telling you, step by step, minute by minute, what he wants you to do. If you're not listening to that, you will default back into listening to your old condition. That happens every time. If you're not listening to what the Spirit is telling you, what God, through his Spirit, is moving in you to do, then you're going to fall back to your own knowledge of good news on what you ought to do. That's not good enough, folks. That won't get the job cut. No. You won't cut it. 
you have got to hear what the Spirit of God tells you to do. Now, I know there's a lot of people that despite we don't believe that God talks to. There's a lot of people that question that. As a matter of fact, it's come to the point now, culturally, where if you stood up and said, this is what God told me to do, and I'm doing it, they would think you're a lunatic. Can you imagine one of our national leaders going on the news, on Fox News, and saying, God told me that this is what we need to do? It would never happen to me. Why? Because we leave him out of everything. Why? Because we're trusting in our own knowledge of good and evil. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. And I can do what's right and not do what's wrong. You all see the battle here? It's a battle between the lifestyle of law and the lifestyle of grace and truth. Now, obviously, the only healthy way to live is that lifestyle of grace and truth that we're talking about. And the good news is, it's available. It's free. You can do it. It's for you. God has set it up for you to do it. Now, right before Jesus was crucified, again, his disciples were worried, probably more so than we are, and depressed more so than we are, because he told them, I'm leaving you, and I'm going back to the Father. And where I'm going, you can't come. And they were shocked. And they were astonished. And impressed. And so he encouraged them. In John 14, verse 11. He encouraged them with these words. He says, whoever believes on me. Is that you? You believe on Jesus? Do you believe in him? Whoever believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these, because I go on my father's. What's he talking about here? He's talking about your ministry. He's talking about what he left you here to do. His works. A moment ago, I told you I wanted to raise the dead. And I was talking about physical dead. What the Lord showed me is I raised the dead every time I proclaimed the good news that of what God has done for you, you could do for yourself. And you believe it. You were raised from the dead. Now, those folks who were raised physically from the dead died again. Oh, Lazarus, man, he, he died in heaven. Jesus said, come forth. He had to come back. But he had to die again. In fact, they were trying to kill him quickly. But when you raise someone spiritually from the dead, they have eternal life. They'll never die again. Greater works than these shall you do. Because I go unto my Father. It's not only great in terms of quality, but it's great in terms of direction. Think of it this way. Jesus, when he was here on this earth, and he ministered, just like we're talking about, loving other people. Remember, he came not to be ministered to, but to minister. So he did that 
for three years. He ministered for three years. Then he went back to them. When you are born of the Spirit, you become a minister, an ambassador for Christ. You are ministering for life. Greater works than he do, than he shall he do, refers to the length of time that you're doing your works. So yeah, Jesus came, he ministered tremendously in grace and truth for three years. But God has called you to minister in grace and truth your entire life. Your whole life. Now, again, I don't want you to think of this as some arduous task that is hard for you to do and you will do grudgingly if you have to. Now that's, that's not what I want you to see. It. I want you to see it as the greatest privilege you'll ever know. To be Christ to other people. In your home, with your family, on your job, in the community. God intends to use you to be Christ to other people by His grace through your faith. It's a glorious lifestyle, one that satisfies to you, one that you enjoy, one that you are happy to grow in and one that you can develop throughout all your life. It's a wonderful lifestyle, this lifestyle of grace and truth I'm talking about. And it's something to get into. All it takes is you believing what God says about you. When you believe that, the Spirit fills you with joy and peace in believing, and you are set free to actually care about other people and love other people. It's a far easier way to live than that lifestyle of law, which is filled with conflict. That lifestyle of knowledge, good and evil, you're always trying to figure out what's right and wrong. You're always trying to judge other people according to their behavior, whether it's right or wrong. And that's a miserable lifestyle. The lifestyle of grace and truth is all about focusing in on what God says is true about you. And if it's true about you, it's true about others as well. So you look past all the nonsense and you see the child of God that's there, and you relate to him. Just like Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, as we come in your presence, I thank you. I praise you, Father, for all that you've done for us, and all that you will do for us. I ask you now, Father, to continue to teach us, continue to open our hearts and minds to the truth that you would have us to know and apply in our lives tonight. This is that way in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Appreciate you all being here. Enjoy this holiday weekend and remember those who follow. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, 
subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 